Well, hello, everyone. You know, I, I hate to admit it, but I really like the intro music. I mean, it's it kind of reminds me of like the music at the beginning of a 70s cop show. It's like Starsky and Hutch or something. Anyways, I yeah. digress. Welcome, everyone, to the weekly recap of The Defiant. Uh, my name is Eddie Robinson. Uh, I'm an editor with uh, with The Defiant. And there is Camille <laughs> Hey, they have me. The Defiant. They, they Hi, had how me, are um... you? Well, I will I will turn it over to you and uh, you can do the honors, the rest of the introductions and walk us through the week. Yeah, no. Um, uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to our another one of our weekly recaps. Um, it's great to have you all here. Uh, we have Ed, our contributing editor, Alex and Owen, staff reporters, and myself, uh, founder of The Defiant. Um, so yeah, let's go over the main stories that happened in crypto and DeFi this week. Uh, so big story broke um, just uh, yesterday, I believe it was the latest regulatory action by the SEC. Uh, the SEC sued the Kraken, uh, one of the biggest US-based ex centralized exchanges over its staking program. Uh, it's just another sign of a uh, you know, U.S. regulators coming down really hard on this industry. Um, we have the 3AC founders wanting to make a comeback. They announced the launch of a new project, um, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into, uh, into that. But uh, at the very least, controversial, controversial choice uh, to do that. Um, Another, you know, somewhat controversial uh, choice was MakerDAO choosing to compete with, with Aave in the lending space. Uh, so interesting de development there um, in DeFi. Uh, and, you know, those are just a uh, couple of the headlines. We, we have uh, more to talk about in the show. So um, stick around. And as you're joining, if you can give us a like, that really help us. Uh, it helps us, you know, service in the YouTube algorithm. So would appreciate if, if you're enjoying the show, then, um, then just give us a like. And so let's get started with uh, what I think is the biggest story, um, uh, cracking uh, suit by the SEC. Alex, you you took uh, this one on uh, with, with a twist. So if you can, you know, walk us through just the, what, uh, why Kraken was being sued, um, and and then what uh, reaction there was in the market. Yeah, so um, and it's interesting, right? Uh, earlier this week, the CEO of another crypto exchange, Brian Armstrong, Coinbase CEO, uh, jumped on Twitter to say that there were rumors the, the US government would crack down on staking and everybody went on high alert, right? You know, what does that mean that there are rumors? What does it mean exactly that they would try to get rid of staking for retail customers in the US? Uh, we found out the very next day, the SEC had sued Kraken for its staking as a service offering. So for anybody who's unfamiliar to secure Ethereum, you need to kind of lock up your ETH and, and you get a modest annual reward in return. Uh, doing that on your own is quite difficult. Um, there are some decentralized protocols like Lido and Rocket Pool that make it easier. Uh, but then decentralized exchanges also offer a service uh, similar to that. So 
Kraken was doing that and the SEC alleged that it's staking as a service product was an unregistered security. So, you know, any security, any stock has to be registered with the SEC. Um, and rather than fight the lawsuit, Kraken settled as part of its agreement, it had to pay a $30 million fine. And then it also agreed to end its staking program in the US. So anybody outside the United States can still stake their ether through Kraken uh, for folks in the US. Uh, that program ended the day of the settlement. Um, everything was effectively unstaked. Um, and it's it, there are kind of like two ways to look at it, right? So there are a lot of folks who see this as just another salvo in the Biden administration's attempt to really strangle the the crypto industry but there are other people who have a more glass half full approach where they see this as kind of a a, a handout to decentralization right so gensler so far gary gensler the the chairman of the sec went after kraken remains to be seen what he's going to do with Coinbase, which also offers a similar product, but people are kind of assuming that he's not going to go after Lido or Rocket Pool, the decentralized alternatives. Uh, and you saw that in, in the market. So after Brian Armstrong's tweet about rumors, uh, their governance tokens shot up. And especially after the, uh, the announcement of the SEC settlement, uh, they've really been on a roll. So People are kind of betting that what's bad for Kraken and centralized exchanges might be good for the kind of pure side of the De DeFi ecosystem. Um, I, I think um, I think what's interesting here is how you know it, it, it look it looks like like the SEC has a way to really um, just limit uh, adoption in in the US and whether the uh, whether defi can be a way to counter that um i don't know what do you guys think i mean do you think lido and rocketball do they provide a viable alternative to things like kraken and coinbase i mean, yeah what do you guys think? i th i i think that um it's a little dangerous to try and uh um to try and guess what the SEC is thinking in terms of motivation. I don't think that the SEC cares about DeFi at all. I mean, I think that they're doing this because they have a very simple and straightforward policy is that this, all these investment contracts, securities, all of these offerings that are in the cryptocurrency space, whether they're DeFi or CFI have to be registered with full disclosures for retail investors, full stop. And they're beginning with the big ones. They're beginning with the likes of Kraken. They're probably gonna do something with Coinbase. We know that they've investigated Coinbase in the past. And they're sending a very strong message, which is you can't just operate outside the perimeter and think you're immune to federal security laws. And and they're not asking for, you know, they're not asking crypto to do something particularly difficult. I mean, this isn't like come up with cold fusion or something. I mean, this is just registering their offerings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's filling out forms. 
Um, I mean, this is something that companies in finance do all the time. It's, it's part of being a mature company in a maturing industry. And I think that's really the only message the SEC is trying to give is mm -hmm. like, they're looking at Kraken and they're saying, is it really worth $30 million to not get your lawyers to fill out some documents and submit them to the SEC and register your offering? I mean, is that really the hill you want to die on? <laughs> it's just, you I know, wonder why why they don't do it. I mean, is it just it's a, a lot of legal overhead and, and and just it's, no, it's expensive think, think, or, or is it something about registering that for, makes it impossible to, to offer cultural. this? I think, it's I think it's anathema to a lot of DeFi protocols. There's a core value at stake here. And this is why DeFi and CeFi are both kind of, at least until now, have been holding their ground, which is like, we're not traditional finance. We shouldn't be subject to the same rules and regs that Wall Street is. And what the SEC is saying, well, you know, yeah, you're something new, blockchain, cool, whatever, but you're going to have to register anything you sell the public, full stop. Hmm. And that's the message yeah. that's being sent. And it'll be really interesting to see if this case, as the SEC hopes, changes decision-making and behavior. And when it comes to DeFi though, that's, that's an open question. And Alex, I can't wait to see the next stories that you write on this because regulating DeFi is not the same thing as regulating CeFi. I mean, DeFi is rather amorphous, isn't it? Um, it's not, that is cut from a different cloth. So that, yeah. how that shakes out remains to be seen. Yeah. And, and, um, uh... Cami, I see that you pulled up this this video from from Gary Gensler. It's mm -hmm. um, th this actually gets to, to an interesting wrinkle in this case. So, um, crypto lawyer Gabriel Shapiro, he's a somebody that you've interviewed for the podcast. Um, something that he noted is that there's an aspect of Kraken's uh, staking offering that actually would have complicated its attempt to defend itself from the SEC lawsuit. So. Um, Although the SEC would probably disagree on this, Shapiro and others make the argument that a staking service shouldn't be considered a security. But um, he said that the that Kraken had done a couple things that made its offering more security esque. So, uh, for example, um, if, if you were to just go straight to Ethereum yourself, you've got the technical chops and you want it to be a solo staker, the amount of return that you would get would be determined by the activity on the blockchain. Uh, Kraken, on the other hand, kind of promised its customers a specific return uh, rather than the amount that they should receive just based on what's happening on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it becomes more of a, of a, a financial product that's managed by Kraken rather than just a, a technology that Kraken is offering uh, easier access to and uh, Coinbase actually kind of jumped on that distinction to, to argue on Twitter uh, because where else that it shouldn't be subject to the same kind of lawsuit that Kraken was so they're um, forget who it was over at Coinbase I think it was their uh, chief legal officer uh, but he said of Kraken's product these are basically yield products true on-chain staking services like ours are different our customers rewards are tethered to realities they depend on the rewards paid by the protocol 
and the commissions that we disclose. Um, another thing that, that Gensler notes in this video, and it's worth quoting him at length here, is what you were saying, Ed, the, the importance of disclosures. So um, he says, if, if you sign up for a staking service, you need to, to have access to certain disclosures. So uh, what, are the pro, what are the companies like Kraken actually doing with your tokens? Are they really staking them? Are they lending, borrowing, or trading with them? Are they commingling with them? Uh, where do the rewards come from? Are you getting your fair share, et cetera, et cetera. So, and um, we saw how important uh, that was with with Celsius and you know other CFI players who you know weren't disclosing what exactly they were doing with customer funds, and we know how that turned out. Yeah. So you know, and I think I think great, it's like that's a great point. Great point. Yes. It's it's uh, um, in, in crypto. It's like yes, like we. It, the crypto industry is so used to seeing regulators and Gary Gensler as the SC, and the SEC as the bad guys. Um, and of course, like none of us, I think, want crypto to be regulated away. And I think that's kind of the just like the initial reaction to, to all these regulator, regulators is, you know, let crypto thrive. Let it be like it's doing uh, it's it's a it's net positive for the world, for crypto to exist. So why are you, uh, you know, limiting people's access to this great thing, right? So that's kind of the, the general narrative within crypto. But I think there's there's also some nuance there. Uh, and I think, Ed, you were, you were, you know, you were kind of pointing towards that, which is, you know, these are centralized entities. They, they are, you know, they are exchanges. Uh, except the only difference is that instead of uh, there being stocks traded on them there's crypto um so i think there's there's a an, you know there's a valid argument there like why sh should they be living under different rules in the end they they you know customers are trusting them with their money um so they should be subject to yeah the same safeguards and disclosures that regular TradFi exchanges are. I, I think that's actually, you know, it's, it's yeah, hard I, to get I around think, that. I, I think, I think, I think you're right, Cami, that what I think there's probably going to be a, a mindset shift here. And this idea that you're going to regulate crypto out of existence or something, it's hyperbole. I mean, they're not asking for, you know, weekly audits or something, they're just asking for a registration. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. I think the big and, question here is and, like, and, and yeah. after 2022, the trust issue is massive. In mm -hmm. you know, I've heard, I've talked to a lot of people in DeFi who say we need the SEC to do stuff like this to help restore trust. You know, it's it's like I think there's there's a lot of hysteria yeah. out there about what the SEC is doing and. Um, trust is like a massive factor right now. And, um, you know, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I just, I think the big question, I don't think there, there's, there's, you know, I think it's really straightforward for CFI, you know, it, you know, it needs to live under the same regulations of the jurisdiction that those entities are in. I think the question is what happens to DeFi uh, because yeah, that's, you know, it's it's not the same. Uh, people are self-custodying their funds. They're, we, you're interacting with smart contracts. 
the SEC can't go to Uniswap and tell them you need to KYC your users because it simply cannot do that. Um, you need to have disclosures. You know, it, Uniswap itself is not uh, managing user funds. Users are. So, you know, there's a big difference there. So I think that's that's kind of what's still unclear to me is how will regulators deal with DeFi? Like if, if they try to apply the same you know, rules and regulations to DeFi, then I think that's a big problem because, you know, then there's like nothing DeFi uh, can do about it. Um, so I think that remains to be seen. I, I, I hope that uh, regulators are kind of smart enough to see that difference. But um, yeah, I think it's too early, too early to say. Um, so Alex, you reported that... Uh, liquid staking tokens rallied after this sec action with because there's the, the expectation that okay if people can't access um centralized staking services they'll go to decentralized ones like lido and and rocket pool um there was another development in lido this week uh pretty interesting if you want to go over this story that you you covered yeah so um on the so we were talking just now about centralized staking offerings lido and rocket pool are on the other side of that spectrum but even on on their side there's there's a spectrum and um for people who are really big on decentralization they're more inclined to champion rocket pool because of the way that it's built and, and the fact that there's less um you know, people have less uh, power as far as kind of like shaping how it operates, right? It's 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 more um, hardened, I guess. It's more permissionless, uh, to use the, the favorite phrase of, of crypto folks, right? So Lido, uh, nevertheless, is the biggest decentralized staking protocol. It has, like, last time I checked, this may have changed, but like 90% of, of, of the market share it is the largest protocol in DeFi. I mean, it's bigger than any other you know, Aave, MakerDAO, Uniswap. Um, and Lido earlier this week announced a new version of its software. And uh, it's got two important features. One is something that everybody kind of knew would be coming. Uh, every staking protocol has to do this. They're going to enable withdrawal of, of Ether that's been staked through them. Um, that's not something that's currently possible. And, and there's a forthcoming upgrade to Ethereum itself that will enable that. All of the protocols that allow people to, to stake will also have to upgrade their own software to, to make it play nice with, with the upgraded Ethereum. Uh, but the other big thing, uh, and the thing that I focused on in this story that, that's going to happen with V2 is Lido is going to uh, take steps toward decentralizing further. So um, again, everything exists on the spectrum. Certain aspects of Lido's operations are decentralized. Uh, others, there's there's more, uh, you know, people have more power to kind of like uh, affect it in a way that might be uh, antithetical to, to, to what's best for Ethereum. Um, this might get a little bit technical, but um, when you stake Ether, uh, and, and lock it up. You need people to run specialized software and hardware in order to do that. That's quite difficult for, for most people. 
So Lido kind of pairs the people who have Ether and want to stake it with the people who have that hardware and software and know how to actually uh, do the staking. They're called node operators. And, um, you know, people who are on the rocket pool side of things will say, you know, we've got the most decentralized set of node operators. If you want to become a node operator, you can, as long as you meet certain criteria. And it's become popular with like small time stakers for that reason. There are more than 2000 node operators on rocket pool, um, which is kind of a, a very rough metric for decentralization and censorship resistance. Uh, Lido on the other hand, um, out of kind of concerns that it, there's no way to safely scale a node operator set just yet. Their node operators are still handpicked by uh, the DAO. The DAO itself is a decentralized organization um, that, that runs the Lido protocol, but uh, votes are proportionate to the number of governance tokens one has. The number of the, those tokens are concentrated in the hands of venture capitalists and other uh, whales. And so th there's a kind of feeling that uh, these critical players, the node operators, because they're handpicked by the DAO, that there's an opportunity there for a bad actor to kind of, you know, screw with the the way things are run. That that fear hasn't actually been realized to date, but it's but it's a weakness. And so, Lido is proposing to to make it easier to move more toward the rocket pool way of doing things um, to to allow for at home solo stakers to allow for quote unquote bonded staking, which will make it easier for people with smaller amounts of, of ether to run a node. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's something that, that even people in rocket pool who typically, you know, they have like kind of a David versus Goliath mentality when they're talking about lighter, they see it as the, the big bad, um, you know, pretender uh, in the decentralization space. Even they've shown some kind of cautious optimism that um, if this is followed through with, that it's going to be a net positive for for the Ethereum ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, decentralizing staking is is key to to keeping Ethereum secure. Um, and we've seen kind of in the early early days of proof of stake that uh, stake had has become pretty concentrated. So, um, because you know, people go to exchanges like like Kraken and Coinbase to to manage their stake, and and they concentrate a, a large portion of the nodes. Then Lido is a is a huge player there, and it leaves a kind of smaller solo players at a at a disadvantage uh, relative to these huge uh, entities. So I think this this is good news if it effectively allows. Uh, you know, greater decentralization within within Lido, which is you know already the biggest uh, player within Ethereum staking. So yeah. we'll see and, how that turns out. You know, like you said, it's you know, important just to reiterate that although there's kind of this debate among people who are you know really into decentralization, that Lido is is relatively decentralized. Mm. Um, it's you know it, while you know Rocket Pool fans might say, oh, well, you know, Lido isn't as decentralized as we want it to be, there's a, a bigger threat to, to, to Ethereum, and that would be just the centralized staking offered by players like Kraken and Coinbase. I mean, Coinbase debuted a service similar to Lido's uh, last year, and that was rapidly taking market share away from, from the other liquid staking 
providers. So, um, you know, while people quibble about whether, uh, you know, Lido is decentralized enough, um, they're actual players in that space that aren't decentralized at all that have become quite popular just because they're, they're easier to use. Yeah, that's a great point. Just wanted to quickly go, go back to the SEC staking discussion because we have, we have uh, some uh, good comments in, in there in the, in the stream. So I wanted to highlight those. So Nate Volk says you're descend, you're defending the SEC extremely hard. Um, the only the only thing they're doing is protecting us from people like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, you know, like I, I, I hope we're not coming off as defending the SEC. I think what uh, what at least my position is is that um, in in the case of centralized crypto players, uh, they're not doing something that's different from you know all the other exchanges. And I think it's it, it makes sense that they provide the same kind of investor protections and kind of disclosures that other exchanges do. Because last year, you know, we saw what happens when crypto is in this gray area, people get hurt. Um, I don't think the I think there's a risk when the SEC and, and other regulators try to apply those rules to actually decentralize crypto. Uh, I don't think that that's what uh, that's right, actually. So I think that's that's kind of the difference that that we should make. Um, and it's fair to point out that the SEC, you know, is a little bit late to the party. You know that they they've taken the keys away after the teenager crashed the car. So true. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if yeah, they, yeah. they could catch the, regulators. The scams. Regulators are regulators are always slow. They're yeah. always regulating la the last war, not the next one. And yeah. then Gojita <laughs> says there should be a middle ground. Now it's hardcore degens, uh, adept at self-custody and educated in crypto versus enthusiast retail investors that don't want to deal with all the security headaches. Um, yeah, we, we do have this huge gap, right, in uh, in education uh, within crypto users. There's, yeah, the degens who kind of know how well, to I, read I Etherscan that's... and, yeah. That's a really that's a really great comment, and thank mm -hmm. you for contributing that um, comment uh, because it really mirrors what we see in traditional finance, which is you have retail investors who might be novices when it comes to investing, and then you have accredited investors. Sometimes they're called sophisticated investors, but these are professionals or semi-professionals like day traders who know the ins and outs of how the market works and know all about custody and all the back office stuff. And it's, it's interesting, like that's replicated in crypto. And clearly the SEC is like, they're not worried about DGENs. They're worried about retail investors who are getting in over their heads. And that's the SEC's mandate They're That's why they exist is to protect those people. Yeah. And I guess I would just add that as far as a middle ground goes, like if if wallets become more widespread, I mean, it should be as easy as buying our ETH or ST ETH, right? Like in that, I mean, I would argue that that is a middle ground like that, that that you don't mm -hmm. have to be that sophisticated to have access to that yield. Um, so I, I would I would say that, you know, I mean, Robinhood is working on a more retail friendly wallet like. I don't know. I, I, I think I think that's coming. 
is all I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, good point. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, speaking of, uh, you know, better centralized crypto needed, uh, Owen, you had this, this story on how the 3AC founders wanted to make a comeback. Um, I want to, yeah, I want to hear more about it. It just seems outrageous. <laughs> so yeah. what, what did you report on? What did you find? Sure. So when I started reporting on this, I realized that there were kind of rumblings of this uh, that go back to mid-January when uh, Pitch Deck got leaked hmm. somehow. Um, and ironically, they were at the time calling their new exchange uh, GTX because the G comes after F, um, which is uh, a questionable start, I would say, to mm -hmm. associate yourself with, um, uh, you know, the defunct exchange. Uh, that said, um, I mean, the news that hit yesterday was that they, I mean, they finally came out and said, yes, we're starting an exchange which will offer claims on, uh, or bankruptcy claims. So, and that, that included their own firm, which was interesting because for those who don't know, Three Arrows collapsed last year around July. Alex was our point person on that. And, you know, they, but they, they were a 10, they had a $10 billion, I think, under management. And so, so they fell apart. So they're starting this new exchange and they're offering, and they're, they're, it's a centralized exchange and they're offering bankruptcy claims on their defunct hedge fund, also on FTX, Celsius, BlockFi, Voyager, all of which we've reported on and have seen go bankrupt. So, I mean, the, the irony was kind of, I mean, in some ways it's like, great, there's this redemption story. It's this judo thing where, you know, they're saying, Oh, we, we learned, we learned so much. We understand how hard the bankruptcy uh, process is, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to give liquidity to all these people with claims on these defunct operations, um, which like, you know, in some ways I'm like, yeah, it does sound complicated. Um, that said, you know, these guys partnered with this seemingly almost, I, I don't know, but CoinFlex, an almost uh, not a noteworthy exchange at all, and then adopted the Flex token as their own exchange's token. And Flex has been going up. I mean, I think it has, it's like 20 times, it's gone up in value by 20 times during, since the start of the year. Um, which just seems really, really questionable um, in terms of like who knew that that was going to happen. And it mm -hmm. seems pretty easy for them to, you know, position themselves um, for that announcement. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I, yeah, and I, I talked with uh, Zach XBT briefly about it and he was, you know, kind of unequivocal about being like, no, like this is insane. Like, um, I, um, yeah, I mean, he he was, he, you know, he he trolled them on on Twitter and just followed up by saying I could, you know, read out his exact tweet. Um, what did he say? Um, he said, yeah, I mean, he was uh, very, very forceful. He said, it's an insult to everyone they hurt as they continuously play victim and evade resp responsibility in contrary to what Sue and Kyle have claimed. And those are the founders of 3AC. So yeah, I mean, Zach really isn't happy. And there's this thing where it's like, how how are you able to do this having like, you know, because we've written stories about how they, you know, the the founder of Defiance Capital, like that they weren't responding to him and Defiance, who I believe, Alex, maybe you remember, but like, 
that uh, Defiance had invested in 3AC, I believe, and they ha didn't have any visibility that you know 3AC was underwater. I mean, um, we should we should kind of just like remind uh, it's 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 worth kind of uh, yeah. remembering that the fact that these guys it's not like they had a hedge fund and maybe they made bad investment bets and yeah what they did was actually lie and that's the issue i mean you know it's like no investor is perfect i mean very no no investor is and and every investor can kind of makes mistakes and nobody can fault them for that especially in this market mm -hmm. the the issue was that they were borrowing from you know all these centralized lenders and from DeFi lenders mm -hmm. um but they were borrowing uh, based on you know lies they, they were saying they had more money than 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 they actually did and we've seen some really just like laughable emails surface where they were like yep we have i don't know 10 billion in our balance sheet thanks mm -hmm. to and like you know no audited statements or anything like that to prove the money that they actually had and they just kept borrowing and borrowing in this way um just like out of just like very fraudulent statements um so i think this is the issue and then when when luna collapsed that was the the domino that set everything in in motion um and uh, and and meant that they 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 had all these um debtors kind of knocking uh and so that caused a huge amount of damage because then uh, BlockFi, Celsius, you know, all these, uh, I can't remember exactly like which, um, which lender they, they, they had, uh, they had used, but that meant that now these uh, uh, players were left with no money because 3AC wasn't good for their loans. So that meant that these users of those, uh, of those platforms were hurt too. So it was like, you know, it, it it wasn't an innocent thing that happened. Uh, yeah. It it had you know it hurt a lot of people in crypto. Um, so I just think it's it's crazy to see that you know a couple of months after that whole thing crashed uh, and after hurting you know so many people in the space, they're able to raise twenty five million allegedly. Uh, that's kind of what the deck said. I think. Yeah. They raised twenty five million. I don't know who's investing um and you know and they're able to just like come back uh, with this new platform uh, which is it, it's it's funny you know it's like okay if, if 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 we hurt you now you have a way to sell your claim um it, i don't know it's there's something that is very off about about that whole thing that's obviously you know my own personal opinion but it just it doesn't yeah. look good to me <laughs> Yeah, and is yeah, that, don't forget. Uh, just as an addendum, uh, sorry, Owen. I just wanted to oh, add yeah, a, a little grace note to what Cami was saying: is that three AC created its own contagion too, right? I mean, its contagion spread throughout crypto yeah. as well. So it isn't like a hedge fund blew up and oh, too bad for the you know. Yeah, that's that's fund. what I'm this, saying. This like, was a market wide mm -hmm. issue, and for these guys to like come back, I mean, no wonder Zach is like miffed. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I just yeah. was going to add, like, you know, throwing the story forward that Zach said he is putting out a bounty to try to 
find out who's investing because he's hmm. he seemed pretty angry. There. Wow. Uh oh. They got they yeah. got Zach on the case now. I yeah. Love it. So just oh, um, he said he he said he sent us a message when when if and when he figures that out. So just stay That's tuned. Great. Hopefully That's that great. hopefully that crosses no. the lines. So I, I'd love to no, know. That. Really, really great reporting, Owen. That's yeah, I mean he's a nice guy. So um, but yeah, and then this token, that's like also, what is this? Like, when did it start running? I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. But yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't want to, it's not my place to, yeah, to, I don't know, say say nefarious things are done. But some people were joking about the insider trading. They're like, this is insane. Like, you could have just bought I mean, this you, you don't token. have to. You don't have yeah. to make calls about insider trading, but it's just yeah, like yeah. a fact that the token, look what it, it started to do. February 1st, it started to just like go crazy. Yeah. And, the, and this announcement was done yesterday. So, yeah. you know, somebody knew, somebody knew that this was coming. Um, there's no reason why this, you know, flex token would have had that rally otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Right. It's, it's just That's like right. very questionable <laughs> to say the least. Right, right. Um, so I don't know. Well, well they got to they got to buy their yacht back, right? It's like mm -hmm. it's yeah. 30, 30 <laughs> million. <you know? laughs> um, I think that's already been sold. Oh really? All right. Well, uh, there's there's a price for everything. <laughs> Sell flex tokens, anyways. But yeah, I don't know. It's you know, I think crypto has a very short-lived memory. You know, people in this space. Yeah. Um, or, or we, you know, there, there's just like a lot of, a lot of greed. Um, yeah. But so moving on to the next, uh, the next topic, AI, um, and this is it's touching crypto too. Um, you know, it's 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 crazy. All the all the developments that have happened in AI this year, it looks like it it's kind of the the next big tech story. After crypto, it seems uh, it, mm -hmm. it really is kind of changing. I think it'll change the way we interact with with everything. I think it's it, it, yeah. it, there's no going back. Um, and so there, there's a crypto story there in AI related tokens rallying. And Owen, you had this story too. Yeah. So I mean, at a high level, woke up on I believe it was Tuesday morning, and. Um, yeah, the graphs uh, GRT token was just ripping. It was up like 60% and that's very strange. Um, so we decided to do a market story to figure out what was going on there. And a couple other tokens were ripping too. Um, and those were categorically positioned as AI tokens. And having done a little digging, it also seemed like, I think a lot of it, I talked to one trader and a lot of it was because CoinMarketCap categorized uh, GRT as an AI token. So mm. it was like their top AI token. And I, I think a lot of people were trading based on that. And it, it was strange too, because there are all these like traders with hundreds of thousands of followers who are like tweeting about like GRT as an AI play, but I'd never even heard of the traders. And it just makes me feel like there's some weird mm. social media ecosystem, which I don't understand, which is doing very different things than, you know, kind of the news I follow day to day. So um, that that's what it was. Um, you know, they have continued uh, to, I think, like queries, um, or I guess, active subgraphs, which are, I don't totally understand, but um, are ways in which data is indexed, which basically means wrapping it up in a way which people which is accessible to people, um, blockchain data, um, 
continue to go up and it's like up 151 uh, percent uh year over year according to a masari report so the graph has a lot of momentum um and so it you know it, it it picked up that it picked up that move i think it's still up today actually um so yeah it's kind of interesting to see how a, like kind of a categorization of a token can really propel it forward um and I, I talked to Tegan Klein, who's part of Edge and Node, which is a big company uh, kind of spun out from that launched the graph protocol. And now they're one of the big companies kind of contributing to it. And, you know, she does said that GRT is looking or the graph is looking at various AI solutions. Um, they gave a $60 million grant to a startup in, in that line of thinking. And I thought one of the interesting things that she gave us was that, like, they were investigating how to do kind of chat GPT like uh query so the thing could be like you would type in like show me the top five traded tokens on uniswap and you could you could potentially just get a response so you know anyone who's tried to use dune analytics or something um you you know that you have to know some sql in order to to make these queries but it'd be interesting to take it take it that next level um so yeah and just finally chat gpt obviously like amazing growth is behind all of this this hype and you, we're still kind of wrestling with that and there's a debate about how ai is going to interact with crypto um i i wouldn't kind of overestimate uh crypto traders and and you know i i don't think that they're looking at the messari report and being like oh yeah like the graph had so many you know so much growth in in their subgraph so let me buy some <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> i think it was probably what you said um, then, you know, people looking at, oh, which are AI related tokens? Let me buy that up. And GRT just happened to be there, even though it looked, it sounded like, you know, what they're doing with AI is really preliminary. Like if they're just like studying, you know, how to start using, mm -hmm. uh, chat GBT and, and their queries. And it doesn't look like it's something that's happening or, or driving growth right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, the market is pretty hype based. Uh, yeah. so it, 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 it kind of, it's to be expected that AI related tokens will be taking off. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a larger debate, which, uh, you know, I think Andre Cronier was kind of kicking off saying AI and blockchain, this is all hype. Like these actually don't mix yet. And some people, I think, uh, Hoseeb, I believe is how you say his name, of uh, Dragonfly was saying that no AIs are going to like be are going to be holding crypto tokens all the time, and and they're kind of need them to like distribute their services. So I mean, I think there's a whole bunch of research to do. Um, I mean, self custody on the stream is asking what's the business model for AI tokens. I mean, and it reminded me a little of 2017 when everyone was just like slap a blockchain on it, like we'll work everything out later. Mm -hmm. So you know, I I think there's a deep dive that you know, we, we as writers can do to understand, you know, separate the way from the chaff. So. Just... Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, hopefully we, we will be talking more about that in our next recap. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd love to, to uh, dig deeper on that. Like which are the, the actual uh, legit crypto uh, AI projects mm -hmm. out there like like where can this tech like where can the two technologies actually um work together where where's kind of the the synergy yeah. i don't i don't know uh and 
I, I don't know if you guys know of kind of what are what are the the, the big projects in, in AI and crypto out there. I I don't know honest, the legit I, ones. Yeah. I mean yeah. I reported on some Pob actually just said uh he thought self rebalancing uh Uniswap LPs could be a, an AI driven oh, application. So yeah. I'm sure we'll see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah, I, I do think like this technology has the potential of really kind of starting to permeate everything. So yeah. uh, why not crypto? But yeah, we'll see exactly how. It's really, really fascinating. And I mean, this is like completely off topic of crypto, but I was just seeing yesterday, uh, I didn't know the, the, the battle between Google and Microsoft that's in, in AI. Um, I think that's so fascinating. So if OpenAI is the the AI company to win and and Microsoft is backing it and and then OpenAI like makes Bing the new kind of default search engine that would be like the tech comeback of the hist like of the world. No, that you know that'd be I mean? legendary. Yeah. 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 Imagine yeah. that like beating over Google uh in search uh, in 10 years saying just yeah. bing it yeah yeah oh my god like, can you imagine <laughs> it'd be like if like the next computer one like when steve jobs tried to start next or something i don't even know yeah yeah i mean that would be such a an interesting story arc there like for, for microsoft um so that was a, that was a great play and then i was i was looking at at the google announcement of their ai mm. and it was just it, it was horrible. I don't know if you guys uh, saw it. Yeah. Um, they, I heard. No, it, it, it was really an embarrassment. So I don't know. I was I was surprised. Um, uh, Microsoft seemed like such a boomer, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like company. And now it's like all the rage. Uh, it's so funny. Um, anyways, uh, Alex, you have. Oh, we haven't. This is an alpha leak here. We haven't actually put this story out, but um, worth talking about the this uh uniswap uh a16c vote uh, debate that's happening um do you wanna do you wanna kind of go go through that that story when when yes. when is it uh when are we aiming to publish it um later today oh, cool. uh, okay yeah, yeah so um and, and that vote actually ended this morning, so it's it's timely. But what, what's going on is uh, Uniswap has licensed code to its latest version, V3. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of standard in, in crypto to open source code. And so that's actually going to happen with V3 on April 1st. That's when this license expires. And when that happens, um the you know typical crypto stuff everybody's going to be able to take that code uh and copy it and deploy their own version of uniswap if they want they can iterate on it they can improve it they can <laughs> if they so choose slip something malicious in there uh you know anything so um that's generally encouraged in, in crypto to to you know take somebody else's code and then see if you can build on it and make it better um but there's also an issue with that, which is that it can kind of create chaos, right? So there can be like lots of copycats out there. And um, Uniswap is trying to get ahead of that. So when the license ends, 
they're expecting a lot of Uniswap clones to pop up on different blockchains. Um, the issue with that there is that if they ever chose to go to those blockchains in the future, you know, even if it's not called Uniswap on that other blockchain, the fact that it's the same technology, uh, you know, means that if they've already got a whole bunch of market share, there might not be a reason for people to use Uniswap whenever it gets there, right? So they're trying to get ahead of that. Um, and also to, to make sure that if Uniswap exists on Ethereum and on Binance and what have you, that it's all still essentially one organization that when a decision is made uh, on, on Ethereum, that it kind of reflects everywhere else that the original canonical Uniswap exists. So um, they've actually, they've already deployed to a couple other chains, but it wasn't controversial because when they made that decision, those other chains were typically like side chains or layer twos. So they have their own built in technology that allows them to connect to Uniswap on Ethereum, the original one. Um, but in December, somebody suggested that they uh, deployed to BNB, which is the blockchain that was uh, built by Binance. BNB is really popular in the developing world. It's, uh, aside from Ethereum, it probably has uh, the most users. Um, the issue is that it doesn't have any like native bridge technology to connect it to Ethereum. And so uh, it kicked off a debate, which bridge would we use? Um, and it's it's an important decision because as, you know anybody who follows crypto has seen in the past year, bridges have become a super lucrative target for, for hackers. I mean, like hundreds of millions of dollars have been lost to bridge hacks in 2022. And so it's not, it's not trivial choosing which one is going to serve as the connector between Ethereum and, and, and BNB. Um, so there was a lengthy debate. Um, it was polite, but it was intense. A bunch of bridge protocols raised their hand and said, hey, pick us. Um, analysts jumped in and kind of looked at their code and said, well, you know, we see some of these issues here. And then the bridges would come back with their rebuttal and, and answering the questions. And Eventually, um, a, a vote was taken, you know, they kind of narrowed it down. They said, there are these four that people are, you know, seem to be talking about the most. We're going to pick one of these four to serve as the bridge. And it was around this time that Andreessen Horowitz jumped in. Um, they're the venture capital firm in, in crypto. They've raised the most money. I think it's approaching $8 billion over their four funds. Uh, they've got a stake in, in almost every major uh, DeFi protocol, including Uniswap. And when a venture capital firm invests in a, in, in a crypto company, um, you know, just like when they invest in, in a traditional company, they might receive a, a, like a stake in that company. The crypto version is getting some share of, of a protocol's governance tokens so that they can have a say in, in what happens. Um, Uniswap, uh, a16z has millions and millions and millions of, of uni tokens. And um, they jumped in the debate to say, hey, we took a look at the different bridges and our pick is layer zero. We think they're the best bridge to connect Uniswap to BNB. Um, they also put out a disclosure. Hey, you know, we just want to let everybody know we invested in layer zero, but still we think it's the best option. And, you know, there's 
a lot of skepticism in crypto when it comes to VCs and whether they're acting in the best interest of the protocols that they invest in. And so, you know, people were quick to suggest, uh, well, you're only doing this because Layer Zero is one of your portfolio companies. Um, they, uh, for, for technical reasons that aren't worth getting into, they weren't able to actually participate in that vote to choose a bridge. Had they done so, Layer Zero would have likely won. They didn't, so a uh, wormhole was chosen, a, a competing bridge protocol. But uh, A16Z said, okay, we weren't able to vote in that one, but for the for the real vote, the last one, where we're going to decide whether we do in fact deploy to, to BNB, we're gonna be able to vote in that and we're going to vote against it. And we're gonna put all 15 million tokens that we have in voting against it. Um, ultimately, it didn't matter. The vote ended this morning uh with about two thirds this is it yeah exactly um and so you see there a16z is the big no vote um that jesse walden uh, that's the founder of another crypto vc variant um blockchain at ucla was was the third big big no vote um but you know a16z saw that criticism and um and, and and pushed back so you know they're, they're pointing out okay hey yeah we've got a lot of uni tokens we voted with 15 million of them uh, i mean it's the single largest vote that was cast in, in 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 this debate but they actually have more they've got i believe a total of like 55 million hmm. uh, uni tokens but they give most of it away now it's still theirs but they kind of loan it to uh other people that are active in in governance delegates right yeah delegates exactly um as a way to kind of like like a gesture of goodwill a way to diminish this massive power they would otherwise have uh in any particular protocol uh and so a popular destination for or popular delegates for for a16z or, or like university groups so like the student enthusiasts at various universities who do you know if this ucla vote was A16Cs. I've I've been I've been told that UCLA is an A16Z delegate, but now also um, something that's ironic is that a lot of the votes for the deployment, so the people that were voting in opposition to A16Z, are also their delegates. So ah, interesting. Uh, GFX Labs, uh, Blockchain in Michigan, um, a couple others. I think. Monet supply, which you see down there at the bottom of that list, might be as well, but I'm not certain on that. So um, I don't think so, no. It, it, it's, go ahead. It's, Sorry. Uh, no, no worries. Um, but it's like so I, I spoke to the co-founder of GFX Labs, you know, they're they're an A16Z delegate, and and he told me, you know, when when we become a delegate, they give us a piece of paper to sign that says, among other things, a16z isn't going to pressure you to vote in a certain way now people can choose to believe that or not he insists that that is in fact the case that he's never been told how to vote and obviously in this case he you know voted uh to deploy using wormhole um as did blockchain of michigan and uh, i believe several other people to whom a16z had delegated tokens but it was just an interesting kind of case study in how you know, traditional finance, venture firms, they, they'll try to influence decisions of the portfolio companies they have, but it all happens behind closed doors. In crypto, it happens 
publicly and it makes it really easy to get out and, and you know kind of see uh i guess malicious intent where where they're really it's just kind of like typical you know investor stuff right hmm. um i don't think it's a, about about malicious intent i think it's it's about um whether the system i think that the debate is kind of whether the this governance system is structured correctly if uh, if it allows for uh, just big players to come in and swing the vote um i, I think yeah. that's that's the issue because i think i don't think anyone can blame a16c for using uh, their tokens and voting in the way that benefits them you know it's it's free right. markets you know it's it's, it's the what they're going to do it's, i mean they're yeah. that's exactly that's the whole point of of participating in governance is you know using your your tokens to um to have a say and and to to pick whatever outcome is best for you and that's what they're doing uh, but i think the question is you know is this one token one vote governance mechanism the right uh, thing for for DeFi when it's supposed to be decentralized. Um, if one one single VC can can come and um, and effectively you know uh, run a, a protocol, then it's not really centralized because A16C like voluntarily chose to delegate their their tokens, but they could very easily you know one day. If the issue is big enough and and it's you know it's hurting them enough um they could easily say you know i'm not delegating tokens for this vote and i'll just you know use my full power to to sway the vote they could do that yeah, yeah. So, and so, so in this case 55 million votes were cast for the deployment using wormhole and then 28 were cast against it so if you take 40 million yes votes away and give it to the no side that i mean that totally yeah. changes the outcome mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah. and you know it's it's no wonder that people get nervous about it even if you know a 16z is well within its rights to yeah. you know vote however it pleases and uh and don't forget i mean the DeFi protocols they don't have to accept vc money i mean no one's forcing them to do that yeah, they could but, say, but they, "Sorry, we we don't want that kind of control. Uh, we want to, we don't want a VC kind of bigfooting us in any way, shape, or form. We don't want that risk at all. So, thanks, but no thanks. But keep your money." But at yeah. the same time, like VCs can go to the open market and just buy as many tokens as they want. Yeah, that's true too. You know, so yeah. the, even but if what, it, what would be the what would be the impetus to do that though? Why would they do that? And I mean, and and I don't think their limited partners would be too happy if a VC fund suddenly turned into a hedge fund, it would violate the fiduciary duty to their LPs. I mean, it, it depends on, on, on the VC, like maybe A16C is, is traditional enough and, and it's, it's big enough that it does, you know, it, 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 it's, it has to kind of comply to more traditional LPs, but there, there, there are many just like well, very that's all contractual. Like, I mean, that's yeah. just a matter of contract. Sure, but law. but there's there's other more like crypto native yeah. VCs with 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 LPs that are in it for for exactly that for you know for VCs yeah, to act more true. like like hedge funds. And in in crypto, they're 
the line between hedge funds and VCs is starting to get blurred because they VCs have liquid instruments a lot sooner than they yeah, usually would. That's a great point. You know, they, yeah. they just have tokens. Mm -hmm. They have liquidity. They're participating yeah. in in governance. They they're even yield farming. Um, yeah. So uh, so they, they are acting a, a bit like hedge funds. I I, I just. Uh... Savio made a great point, which is that this motor mechanism is less corruptible than the traditional uh, systems. Um, and I just agree, like Alex mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to write this story, which yeah. is complicated, but he wouldn't be able to write it without blockchains and crypto. So just from a meta perspective, like it's pretty fascinating that we can see this and debate this at all. Uh, absolutely. No, that's so. I think that's absolutely right. That's why yeah. this is so newsworthy is because it's exceptionally rare to see a VC firm clash with a portfolio company, especially a portfolio company at the scale of Uniswap, yeah. a company that's so important in its marketplace. Yeah. And Alex, you made the point best, and we'll highlight this in your story, that in the traditional world, that happens behind closed doors. Yeah. But in crypto, DeFi, it's, the information is out there. This is a much more democratic process. You can actually see the vote. You can report on it. You can talk to delegates, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's what's different. That's what's really fascinating. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, as flawed as it is, it's better than, than the old way. Yeah, come on. We got a cute infographic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Um, Adorable. Great. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think that that pretty much uh, wraps it up, wraps it, the, the uh, big stories of the week. Am I, are we missing anything? Anyone uh, want to add uh, another headline? Um, optimism had its second airdrop yesterday. So, mm -hmm. you know, for people who've been kind of farming for that one, go check your wallet. See if, <laughs> nice. See if you succeeded. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, maybe much my headline would be flux finance is live, which is basically I said anything, but, um, basically it allows people to collateralize, uh, tokenized ETFs, which represent treasuries. And then people can like crypto users at large can lend to those people who are collateralizing and borrowing. So I think it's just going to shake up lending if the base rate is somewhat close because right now you're getting like one point something percent on ave and compound for stables but now for usdc and die you're going to maybe be able to get close to treasury rates um on ondo so i just think that's something to watch uh and oh, see how cool. that shakes up very cool yeah um and then we also had the story on MakerDAO challenging ave uh, with um uh, a lender hmm. uh, so yeah that's that was a Another interesting story that we covered. Um, so yeah, I think with that, uh, we're good to wrap uh, for this week. Thanks everyone for joining uh, and catch you all next week. Thanks guys.